Beyond the Mic with Sean Dillon. We're joined on the star line by a business leader, author, speaker, and political innovation activist. She's the co-author of The Politics Industry, How Political Innovation Can Break Partisan Gridlock and Save Our Democracy. We welcome Catherine Gell. Sean, thanks for having me. Catherine, let's go beyond the mic. The current U.S. political system is broken. Polarization of both parties to extremes have caused co-sponsorship of bills to become the way of the dodo. Can you rebuild Washington without having people who own self-interest in the change influence it? Oh, such a great question that so many of us care about these days. Yes, the answer is we can change how Washington works if we do something different than we've been doing. We've been pinning our hopes on candidates, that when we finally elect the right candidate or the change candidate or our party's candidate, that 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 would make a difference. But the fact is that the system itself, the rules of the game of politics, the incentives in the system are more powerful than any individual, no matter how great he or she is. And so we have to look at the system and change the incentives, and then we can get different behavior and better results. What I would quickly say is, the way Washington works right now is that there's not a connection between our Congress people solving problems in the public interest and the likelihood that they'll get reelected. Those things are not connected. It's almost as if you and I would have our jobs, and we would be told, if you do your job the way we need you to, you're going to lose your job. And that's the incentive in Congress right now. So they're doing what they're incented to do. We need to we need to change those rules and change the incentive. The average number of people that a member of the House represented in 1913, when the last change of the House was made, was 210,000 people. As of 2013, each member now represents over 709,000 people. Have we reached a point where 435 representatives don't truly represent the nation as a whole? That that is a good question, but let me go beyond you know the the actual question, which is to say, when we talk about being represented, that's important. It's a democracy. People need to feel represented, and their views need to be, in a sense, have a voice in Congress. But the challenge that we see in Washington right now is not the result that people aren't fairly represented. It's that even if they're represented by, you know, someone that they agree with, the Congress still don't get anything done. So our challenge is not to make us feel more represented and still produce bad results out of Congress that makes very few people happy. Our challenge is to figure out how to get Congress to deliver results that solve problems and create opportunities for the country. That is done not by doubling, for example, the number of people in Congress and then having twice as many people delivering the same kind of bad results. Changing the results would be done by changing the incentives, which I addressed a moment ago. So sometimes we're looking for solutions in all the wrong places. Simply putting more people there in the same system would not change the result. Might make us feel it's more fair, but as much as we want fair and as much as we want democratic, we also want 
Congress to get stuff done. Now, would it be easier to get an A from a district with 200,000 people than a 700,000 with all those special interests involved? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The ability of fine-tuning your message to your district would be more effective. So, so following along with that logic, I do think we need to give the people in Congress a reason to fight for the people they represent. And here's where the true, the bigger problem in that is right now. So each of the people right now, each of these Congress people that you have mentioned is now representing 790,000 people. The only people they're really representing out of those 790,000 are the approximately 7.5% of them who voted in that representative party primary. Because of gerrymandering, which will have the effect of making a district be intentionally red or intentionally blue, and because of naturally red districts and naturally blue districts, in over 80% of House races, the winner is already decided in the primary, and it's decided only in the half of the primary that is the party that represents that district. So if it's a red district, the winner is decided in the Republican primary. If it's a blue district, the winner is decided in the Democratic primary. And because only 15% of people turn out for primaries, and then half those vote in each one, Effectively, you have about 7.5% of people choosing the winner. So my point is, instead of just having now more, like twice as many Congress people and therefore twice as many primaries, but still only have 7.5% of however many people are in the district being choosing the person, let's just get rid of party primaries and make the most important the election, the general election, that so many more people, over 50% of people, often participate in, and all of a sudden will dramatically change those numbers in a much more powerful way than adding more people. Catherine Kell is the author of The Politics Industry, How Political Innovation Can Break Partisan Gridlock and Save Our Democracy, and she joins us beyond the mic. You offer Final Five voting as a solution. What is Final Five, and how can it help? There's two things that we all know about in our lives from our jobs and even as being customers. What we want from companies we buy from or services we buy from, we want results from them and we want them to be accountable to us, which is if we don't like their products, we want them to make better products. Otherwise, we'll choose something else. We get bad results from our political system and there's no accountability for those bad results because we only have two choices and no matter how disappointed, you are or someone else is with the results, the person still likely votes for their side of the divide because even if they're disappointed, they like their side better than the polar opposite, you know, one other choice. What we need in politics is we need this sense of competition. We need them to compete on solving our problems in order to get reelected. And we need people to not be able to get reelected or at the very least have good competition for that spot if they're not doing a good job. So what we need to do is change 
how we elect people. Basically, we change how they get the job and how they keep the job. That's two things. The umbrella name is Final Five Voting. The first thing is let's get rid of party primaries because they push both sides so far to the right and the left that people in Congress feel they can't work together to find consensus because they'll never win their next party primary when those small number of highly ideological voters turn out. Even though they know that the majority of the people in their district might want them to solve that problem in a consensus way, they know that the small number of people in the party primary won't approve. So they can't work together. So we get rid of party primaries and we'll have just one primary and the top five finishers advance. And the second thing is now that we have five people coming out of the out of the primary, and they could be two Republicans, two Democrats, and an independent, could be any, you know, combination of of people running. We have a diverse and dynamic debate of five people between the primary and the general. And then in the general, now we have real competition. We have five people. We use instant runoff to select the winner. Because what we don't want to do is now have five people, and let's say they split the vote, and someone wins with only, you know, 25% of the vote. We want to find who out of those five people has the greatest appeal to the most number of voters. And we do that by allowing voters to rank their choices, which we do naturally for so many things. I like this one the best. This is my next choice all the way down to, oh, my goodness, I, over my dead body, do I want this fifth choice to, you know, make it to Congress and be my representative? So voters rank their choices and then use those to create instant runoffs. And send someone to Washington, D.C., who represents and really feels accountable to a majority of the district. Now, how does ranked choice voting help third-party voters by allowing them to get their party visibility? Yeah, yeah. Great great question, Sean. So, uh, first of all, let me say the main reason we want ranked choice voting, or as I describe it, instant runoff, is because we want to have plenty of competition. We don't want to just have only two choices and have to keep reelecting them, even if we don't like what they're doing. Right now, if uh, you know, a lot of people feel they can't vote for the candidate they really like because they're going to waste their vote, or they're going to spoil the election for their candidate they like second best. So, for example, in 2016, the presidential race. People who liked Green Party candidate Jill Stein didn't were told by the Democrats they don't vote for her because you'll just spoil the election for Hillary. And people who on the right who liked Libertarian candidate Gary Johnson were told by the Republicans don't vote for him because he'll just spoil the election for Trump. What ranked choice voting does is get rid of that wasted vote and spoiler vote problem. If you like Gary Johnson, the Libertarian, you can say he is my first choice. But if Gary Johnson, when you add up the first choice totals, is in last place, let's say he's the fifth candidate in this, you know, five-way race, he's then dropped from the race because he came in last, then your vote automatically transfers to your second choice. So you are able to indicate your true preferences without 
fear of wasting your vote or spoiling your vote or spoiling the race. And what that will do is allow for new competition. And sometimes it will allow for that new competition to actually win, to put the competitive pressure on both of the existing parties. I'll think of them as companies to do a better job for their customers. Let me quickly say, Sean, I'm not on the red team or the blue team. I call myself politically homeless. And I'm not opposed at all to parties or even having just two major parties. Our current problem in the U.S. is that the current two major parties are guaranteed to be the only two ongoingly regardless of what they do or don't get done on behalf of the public. They don't have any competitive pressure to solve our problems because, spoiler problem, waste of vote problem keeps out all that new competition. By using ranked choice voting, we can have plenty of competition to solve problems and create opportunities in the public interest. Lots of candidates will be able to compete on that basis and be held accountable by their voters in the general election, not just the primary, for solving our problems. It's really pretty cool. Time's running out, so it's time for the Rocky Nate. Eight random questions. Answer with the first thing that comes to your mind. There is no pressure. You've wanted to be a judge, a nun, and a ballet dancer. Of the three, which would you like to have done now? Judge. Now, how far have you traced back your genealogy? To the, with accuracy to the early 1700s. Best place to relax in Wisconsin is? Outside looking at farmland. What's the one thing you've discovered during the quarantine? I like not having to spend any time looking good. (laughs) Best thing Gel Foods ever made? Oh, we made ice cappuccino mm-hmm. and we had a french vanilla flavor i loved that stuff what's the last movie you've seen oh what did i watch i missed movies in covid i missed them so i don't know i haven't really oh oh no i totally know i watched Rossi the snowman with my three-year-old one thing that you need more of people who care about our political system, independent of their party. What was the favorite reaction when you gave gifts to each of your Gell Foods employees when you sold the business? Oh, that was extraordinary. My, it wasn't a favorite, like a single favorite reaction. It's a favorite type of reaction, which is so many people, Sean, had an immediate, immediate and visceral knowledge of what they wanted to do with that money. And it was often, it was most often helping someone they love. You've served on several nonprofit boards, Business for America, New America, and Unite America. How has the COVID-19 shutdown hurt nonprofits and what is necessary for some of them to just survive? So most of the boards that I've served on have been doing, I mean, it's always hard for nonprofits to raise money, but they're doing, they're not much worse off because of COVID because it coincided with a continued deepening of 
people's concern about our political system and its effectiveness and its partisanship. And so people have been donating to these organizations that want to change that partisanship. Professor Sam Wang of the Princeton Election Consortium has discussed the need to eliminate the partisan gerrymanderer. In your opinion, do you think the gerrymander will survive 50 years, 25 years, or will it be gone soon? I don't know. But here's what I'll say provocatively. It really doesn't matter nearly as much as people think if we put final five voting in. The gerrymander is super powerful in party primaries, but with final five voting where the general election is the most important, and when we have instant runoff voting where everybody's vote has an impact, gerrymandering distortive effects will recede. And final five voting is absolutely 10,000 times more important than getting rid of gerrymandering, even though it's totally unfair. It's an awful thing, but if we want results, let's focus on, let's focus on party primaries in She wanted to be a nun, gave her employees of her firm a $10,000 goodbye gift, and wants to save our democracy. She's the co-author of The Politics Industry, How Political Innovation Can Break Partisan Gridlock and Save Our Democracy. We thank Catherine Gill for taking the time to talk with us today. Sean, that was fun. Thank you. And that, my friends, is Beyond the Mic.